Well, good morning and welcome to Northridge once again. It is great to have you here, whether you are joining us online or if you are here in person. It is a fantastic day out there and this weekend has been phenomenal. I love the cooler weather, as long as I know the hot weather is coming back again. I am not a fair weather person. So if you've been around Northridge at all, you have heard us say this all the time. It's because it's really important to us. Northridge is a safe place. It doesn't matter if you are exploring and investigating, trying to decide if God and the Bible are real, or if you've been walking with God your entire life. Wherever you are along that spectrum, this is a place to come to ask questions, to try to grow, to try to develop a personal relationship with Jesus, because we believe that is what is most important in our lives, and it impacts everything. So we're in a series called Different for a Change, and the whole purpose behind this is basically looking at different ways that God is asking us to follow him and how it's different than some of the world's standards and why this can actually be a positive thing for us and all of those around us. Now, it's summertime, and of course, summertime for the majority of people means carnival rides and roller coasters at least once during the summer, hopefully. When I was younger, I used to ride the fastest, scariest roller coasters and carnival rides that were around. Today, my kids like to ride those rides, and it terrifies me. I look at those carnival rides, and I wonder if they have ever had anything updated on them since before I was born. But they still like to get in them. I'm still going to trust it's going to be okay, because that's what we do in the summer. There's one particular summer that I remember, and I can't tell you how old I was. I was younger, probably between like eight and 10, but I went on a roller coaster, wasn't a roller coaster, a carnival ride with my dad. The carnival ride that I went on was called the Zipper. And the only thing that I can assume is that I maybe wasn't quite tall enough to ride on my own, which is why my dad was going with me, because he did not go on any other rides with me. So on this particular ride, what you happen to notice is there's like an oblong arm. That arm doesn't stay stationary. It does a big rotation in a circle. And then you have the carts attached to the outside of that arm, and it's like on a track, and it goes around that long arm as the long arm moves. And then you have these carts that you can see hanging upside down that rotate and spin independently as it goes around. So basically you have three different kinds of motion in this ride as you are going, and I thought this was fantastic. So we get into this ride, my dad gets in first against the wall and then I get in, and the safety mechanism for this ride is simply bringing a bar down over your laps and latching it into the door. Yeah, it seems pretty safe, right? Mm -hmm. So here's the problem. My dad got in first, which is the tightest point of the safety bar, and I sat next to him. And so they bring the bar down over our laps, and it stops above my lap. Now, we're trying to push down as hard as we can to get it to go a little bit further, but my dad's legs are there, and they're athletic, and they're stopping the bar. So the guy starts us rocking, the ride starts spinning, and what I discovered was that as we started spinning, there was a good probably 12-inch gap between my legs and the bar, and I fell into it. I'm kidding, it wasn't 12 inches. 
no way. It was probably two or three, but it really felt like 12 because as we started spinning, every time we went upside down, I was no longer in the seat and secure. I was falling into that lap bar and then back down and falling into the lap bar and back down. Now, I don't know if I said something. I don't know if I was screaming or if my dad just noticed and I was scared. But the next thing I know, he was reaching his arm over my shoulders, attempting to hold me down as we are on this ride so that I am not falling as far. Now, I was safe that entire time, but I didn't really feel safe until that ride stopped. My dad did everything he could to make me feel safe. And it must have been enough because I continued riding carnival rides as long as I could. Today, our topic might feel a little bit like that carnival ride did to me. You may feel some flip-flops, and you might feel like you're falling a little bit. I'm going to tell you it's going to be okay if that's how you're feeling. Because today we get to talk about feelings. And I know some of you want to check out because you're like, I don't want to do anything with this, but hang in with me because it's going to be worth it at the end. Our series is based off of 12 phrases that are extremely powerful and extremely impactful if we let them be in our lives. They were written by Pastor Dan Bickle, who is Brent Bickle's father. These phrases were written about the beginning of the year, about six weeks before he had a sudden cancer diagnosis. Um, Unfortunately, Pastor Dan passed away very quickly, and we lost him just over a month ago. So these phrases have a lot of meaning. They're not written out of a state of regret, but they're written out of the purpose of, what would I do differently by looking at hindsight? Because we know hindsight is 2020. So today, our topic is going to be hide my feelings less and share my heart more. This one has the ability to really mess with us a little bit if we're not careful, but it also has the ability to really free us if we lean into it. So last week, we talked about how to add value to other people. This week, we're going to talk about how we add value to ourselves by looking at our feelings for just a few minutes. The question becomes, why do we hide our feelings? A lot of us do it. So why do we hide our feelings? When we think about it, when we have really positive emotions, when we're very happy, like maybe we've just won a game or we have gotten the job that we've been looking for, we've been saving up for a big purchase that we're finally able to get, something has just gone really well, we grilled the meat just perfectly for summer, we're happy, we're excited, we're joyous. People see those expressed in us. However, when we're having a hard time, when we're struggling with something maybe, or as something is hurting us, or we're feeling maybe a little bit depressed, usually those are things that we like to tuck away. We like to hide or keep to ourselves. It might be that we feel we need to maintain a neutral environment It might be that we feel bad about imposing our, what we feel, negativity on other people and we don't want to ask them to listen to us or to join us in our pain. It might be that we just really want to ignore it because if we ignore it, we don't have to deal with it, right? It's kind of like our kids. If they pretend that the dirty dishes aren't there, they don't have to do the dirty dishes. Our feelings are kind of like the dirty dishes in the sink. They're there, but we ignore them until we don't anymore. So how many of you 
remembering this is a very safe place. You don't have to raise your hand. But how many of you are really good at identifying your emotions? You are able to say, this is what I am feeling. If you take a look, we have a feelings chart up here. It starts out with the core emotions in the middle, and then it goes out a couple of layers and adds more nuanced feelings onto them. If you were to look at this chart, would you be able to see that you identify or have experienced a lot of these feelings? Or are you kind of like me, where it's like, I kind of know I hang out in that middle section, and I'm sure I experience some of those outside feelings, but there's a lot there that nobody would see me ever express because I want to keep them hidden. You see, we know Jesus had feelings. We know that he has walked through everything that we have walked through. The Bible tells us that. So what that means is that Jesus has experienced everything on that feelings chart and probably more. We see Jesus got mad when he had to go in and turn over the money tables because they were dishonoring his house. We see him get mad when his disciples are trying to stop the children from coming to him and he wanted to bless them. We also see him have joy when he gets to hang out with people and have dinner with them and talk and teach and be with his disciples. And his disciples lived life with him, which meant they got to see the full spectrum of everything Jesus did, everything Jesus said, how he responded, and what he chose to focus on. Everything was a lesson with Jesus. The one thing that he had to do, though, was prepare them for his coming death. They knew that Jesus was their savior, but they thought he was going to stay with them forever on earth as a king. What they didn't realize was that he would have to die a horrific death, and then he would rise again, and that was ultimately where their salvation would come from. So as the disciples are hanging out with Jesus and they've been doing life together for the last three years, Jesus says, I'm going to give you a gift because it's preparing you for what is to come. And they don't understand what is to come. But listen to this gift that Jesus promised them. We find it in John chapter 14, verse 27. He says, I'm leaving you a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. The disciples are hearing this, but it's one of those things where you hear it, you don't experience all of the feelings until you walk through it. A lot of times we think we are prepared for things, but until we actually experience them ourselves, we don't get the full impact. So Jesus is telling them, remember, I'm giving you a gift. It's peace of mind and peace of heart. This will be important. Because he knew that awaiting them was agony and pain and grief and sorrow, probably anger and frustration, like they had never experienced before. And he's telling them it's still going to be okay. And the truth is that the same holds for us. Because what Jesus promised his disciple is also what he promises us today. So wherever you are dealing with your feelings right now, whether you like to hide them or you're really good at identifying them, Jesus is with us just as he promised 
he would be with his disciples. When we hide our feelings less and we share our heart more, it's not an overnight transformation. Most of us are probably not excelling at sharing our heart all of the time. We're probably not saying the most meaningful, powerful things to our loved ones and friends every single day. And if you are, praise be to God. That is amazing. If you're not, there's room for improvement, and that's a good thing. In order for us to have a whole and healthy life, we have to address our emotional life, and it's a process. It's something that we do over time and with practice and practice and practice. As children, we're taught often, keep our emotions under control. Don't have outbursts. We've all been in that grocery store, either with our own child or just by somebody else where the child is just melting down. Now, this is not a good thing. We know that. We know get the child out of the grocery store. This is not going to end well or else the parent is going to be on the floor as well. But when we do stuff that we need to outside of those circumstances, we're told be in control. Keep your emotions in check. Don't be too emotional. Don't show emotions at work. It's not professional. Don't be overexcitable. You might scare somebody, right? We're told to keep our emotions in control. The truth is that all of our emotions, every single one that was on that feelings wheel is important. The other truth is God created those emotions for us. We need to stop putting false parameters on emotions that we are putting on them, not God. Our emotions are not bad. Our feelings are not bad. God created them, Jesus expressed them. They are for us to live into and use to have a whole, fulfilled life. When we cut off a section of our feelings we are essentially closing off that part of our life to what God wants to do in and through us. And it not only impacts us, it impacts everyone around us. So what if we step away from this story that our feelings are bad or can be bad? What if we step away from the thought that everything needs to be controlled by us and we start living into the story that God created our feelings, he created us, and he is doing it for a purpose. What if we choose to believe that we are worthy of living that life? Because some of us feel like we're not worthy of the good and the positive and the excellent, either because of our past or something we have chosen to do, something we're involved with now that is not a healthy behavior, or something that has happened to us. Whatever has been, God can redeem when we choose to identify our feelings and work with them. So in order for us to live into the story that God has for us, which is wholeness, we need to first of all be able to identify and understand our feelings. And this one gets really tricky, especially if we've gotten really good at hiding our feelings. We have sayings such as, our feelings are fickle, or don't trust your feelings, or things like feelings get us into trouble. I'm sure we've all heard that, if not said it ourselves. And there is a sliver of truth 
in those sayings. But it's only a sliver. These statements only become true if we choose to ignore our feelings or if we choose to manipulate our feelings so that we feel better. If we don't understand why we're feeling these things, then we cannot work through them and experience them. End with a sentence. All right, so I've been working through a book called The Miracle Moment. It's a fantastic book. It's a book that was written to help people in relationships, whether you are in a family or if you are at work. And the primary purpose, she says, is to take it to the next level. Some of you may have heard of something called the last 10% when you're having a conversation with someone and you hold back the last 10% that really should be said because it's the final truth, but it makes you really uncomfortable. You don't want to maybe hurt the other person's feelings or it puts you in an awkward place. This book helps us address the last 10%. It helps us to recognize some negative and harmful behaviors. It helps us to identify feelings and work through why we're having them. But the results of doing those things are having better conversations so that it improves our relationships with those that we are closest to and those in our work environments. I've been going through this because, like I said, learning to identify our feelings and in order to share our hearts more is a process. And this is a process I've been on for a really long time. And I will tell you what, as much as this book has helped me, it's been kicking my hiney to the curb as well. There's a lot of things in here that I don't want to address because I've gotten really good at hiding some things. And it's not necessarily big ugly things. It's just hiding the things I don't want to deal with because it is hard. But Nicole Eunice takes you through a few things, and I want to share a few thoughts that she gave in the book that I found helpful. We have to realize when we're addressing feelings, this is a very large, large scope. Today, we are looking at the tiniest little piece. But here is one example. She talks about the nice disorder. And the nice disorder is when a person doesn't want to say something that will hurt another person's feelings or make them feel bad or they want to give the answer that they think the person expects. You're being nice all the time. What happens is when we give the answer that is nice all the time instead of what needs to be heard or is truthful, she says this happens. Choosing nice over honest, vulnerable, or true is bad. We need to pause right there. A lot of us are taught we have to be nice to people all the time in order to be good. We need to break that thought. When we are nice to people all of the time, it ends up robbing people of your true self. When we are in a conversation or a situation that is asking for honesty and vulnerability and truth, and remember this is done out of love because we're doing it the way of Jesus, when we don't offer that to people, it robs them of who we are. So it's not good for us, and it is not good for them. When we give to make other people happy at our own expense, what ends up happening is over time, we erode trust with them because they don't think we're going to tell them the truth. 
It decreases the reliability factor in work because they don't think that we're able to handle a situation and bring the answer that is needed to it. And it ends up actually disrupting the harmony in our relationships, not maintaining it like we think it will. She said, nice has become the enemy of integrity. That one stings. So much that I wrote it down on a sticky note and put it on my computer as a reminder. Nice had become the enemy of integrity. When we do it at the expense of ourselves, we lose integrity in situations and relationships that we are in. And I know all of the people pleasers in the room are thinking, okay, we can stop now. But it's something that we need to address. Listen to this other quote. She said, people who suffer from the nice disorder aren't less angry or less assertive or less needy than other people. We assume that if somebody is going to be nice that all of those things are true. It's not true. Not less angry, not less assertive, not more needy than other people. They are just willing to, or they are less willing to acknowledge it, which means their needs often come out sideways in forms of passive aggressiveness, simmering resentment, and isolating behaviors. When we are nice at the expense of being truthful and honest and vulnerable, we end up hurting people because instead of addressing it head on like we should in a healthy way, we send it out sideways and we cause damage. Hiding our feelings comes from a desire to actually control a situation, to control how we are perceived by other people, or it's done out of self-protection. So in order for us to learn how to share our hearts, we need to identify our feelings, but we also need to manage them. And the second way we do that is we grow in how we manage our feelings. You see, when we don't manage our feelings, our feelings manage us. That's a really hard place to be in. When we don't manage our feelings, our feelings manage us. You see, when I was younger, I really struggled with managing my feelings. I was that little child that had a lot of intensity, and so if I was angry, you knew it. If I was frustrated, you knew it. If I was sad, you probably didn't know it because I went and hid in my room. If I wanted my own way, I really went after trying to get my own way. I had a lot of really big feelings, but I did not know how to manage them. As I got older, it got more intense, which obviously means it got worse. I went through a failed marriage, not because of me, there were a lot of circumstances, but it also revealed a lot of issues and feelings that I had never learned to control and manage in a healthy way. A lot of hurt and pain happened because of the damage that happened in that marriage. So in the years that followed, into college, in my my early married life, I had to learn how to grow and identify those feelings. I had to learn how to work through them and realize that past was not present. And I had to continue working, become closer to God because that was the only way healing was going to occur. Proverbs 29.25 says, Fearing people is a dangerous trap. 
but trusting the Lord means safety. For the longest time, I wanted what I wanted. I wanted it how I wanted it, and I did it. But I was also extremely afraid of what other people thought of me and how I came across, and so I made sure that everything I did was in a very controlled manner to protect my reputation and how people perceived me. I feared people, and that's a dangerous thing. It's like when we try to carry around a basket full of eggs, but we don't have a basket. We're trying to hold and we're trying to jumble, and in the end what's end up happening is a lot of cracked eggs, a lot of broken eggs, and we're in a mess. Jesus is there for us for a reason. The thing that is really hard is that fear and hurt can come out a lot of different ways. And this is where we get really good at hiding. It can be expressed as anger, which we know. It can be expressed as withdrawal, pulling away from people, away from situations, away from challenges. It can be expressed as not trusting anyone. We put up really good borders and boundaries in front of us so that we can talk, but we don't let anybody in. Or it can be that we trust people way too easily and we miss red flags that we should be noticing because they can actually harm us. Once we identify our feelings, we are able to work through them and we are able to grow and manage them. And contrary to what a lot of people think, our, our emotions and our feelings do not get to control us. That is not how God created our feelings. That is not the purpose of them. Our feelings originate in our center brain so that they're there. We don't get to control when we get to feel what we feel. What we do get to control is how we think about them and how we respond to them. I get to decide, you get to decide. What am I going to do with this feeling? That is where we need to grow, towards learning healthy measures. God's word gives us a very good um, insight into how we need to think and how we need to manage our feelings. And it's 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but he's given us a spirit, listen carefully, of power and of love and of sound judgment and personal discipline. Abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. When we live into the lie that our feelings get to be the dictators, we are not in control. However, when we turn our focus to God and we allow him to work in and through us, he allows us to have that inner control. And it's really amazing if we choose to believe this. There's a lot of power in believing that we are worthy of what God has given us. So if you're really good at hiding your hurt, your struggles, your frustrations, if you don't want to speak up, it's going to end up hurting those around you. Nicole Eunice said, when we live in fear, we allow our influence, our contribution, and our legacy to be stolen from those who need it. We allow those things to be stolen from those who need it. 
As long as we let fear manage a relationship, a job, or our leadership, we will be less than who we were intended to be. As we become more self-aware, we're able to identify and address our feelings more quickly. We're able to move into logical thinking quicker with them. Because again, our feelings are not in control, unless we let them be. When we think about our minds, what we have to realize is that we need to think about what we think. Jenny Allen says this, and it comes from her book, Get Out of Your Head. This is also another very powerful book that helps us look about how we think and what our internal thoughts and our internal stories are. Because most of the time, we're probably pretty harsh and negative with ourselves in ways that we would never express to other people. We say things to ourselves inside of our head that are negative, derogatory, demeaning, and it only ends up hurting us and then others instead of protecting us. We need to change how we think. So when we start getting those feelings, instead of saying, why am I so upset today? It needs to be okay. Am I frustrated? Am I tired? Am I hungry? Am I scared? What is going on with this feeling? Because then when we identify what it is, we are able to think about it logically and begin to address it. The other day I had lost an important document that one of my daughters needed. Now when I say lost, what I mean is I put it in a very safe place so that I know it where it was when I needed it. It was very safe for a while. The problem was I needed it in a very timely manner and so I was frantically searching through my purses, through my dresser, through my table, and the whole time I know that the clock is ticking and we need to be somewhere with this document. So in this process, my son, who is doing nothing wrong, is simply laying in the recliner, but he has it kicked back, which means it's in the walkway of where I'm walking. You guys know what's coming. He's doing nothing wrong, and I bump into this chair because I am in a frantic mess because when I stopped to think about it later, I was embarrassed because I couldn't find it and I had been entrusted to hold this card. I was frustrated that I knew I had it and I couldn't find it. I was disappointed in myself because now we were going to be late and it was making my daughter late for where we needed to be. There were a whole range of emotions going on. So in my franticness, I am rushing to get to a place and I bump into this recliner with my hip. And my response is, put that chair up right now and get out of my way. I am frustrated right now. I'm hoping I'm not the only one. And my poor son puts that recliner up and he just stands up and looks at me. And I had to look at him and say, I am so sorry. This is not about you. I am frustrated right now. Because the truth is there's been too many times I've had that reaction and I have said nothing or I have escalated because now I'm mad and embarrassed that I'm mad and embarrassed and I've yelled at my child who does not deserve it. And my typical response would be to get past that situation to dust it underneath the rug and ignore it because now we're gonna move on and everything is fine. But it's not fine because those things build inside. And as we said earlier, if we don't address them, they come out sideways. And we cause damage for ourselves 
and those around us. So like I've said, I have grown, I'm continuing to grow, and I still have a ways to go, but where I am now is nowhere close to where I was when I was younger. There is hope and there is promise because God wants to work with us through all of our feelings. Philippians 4.8 says, fix your thoughts on what are true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. That is where we need to take our thoughts, even when we are struggling with something. We need to focus on what is true. We need to focus on God's word because that is the only anchor that is going to hold us solid and is going to help us move forward. Because it's really easy for us to slip into old habits, whatever it is we struggle with. It's really easy for us to go back there because it's familiar. When we have emotionally volatile days, it gives us an adrenaline rush. It's easy to slip back into that because we've had that excitement and we know what that feels like. We can, however, change our thoughts. We can change our patterns. And we can become healthier as we work on growing. Nicole Eunice said, the way you respond today is who you are becoming. It is the trajectory you are on. So while my response to my son was not appropriate and right, the fact that I was able to pause and recognize that and say, I'm frustrated right now, is actually much better than I would have been five or 10 or 20 years ago. It's the trajectory that we are on. Doesn't mean we're perfect overnight, means we keep taking steps to improve. Hiding our feelings less allows us to share our hearts more and it happens because we become more and more secure in who we are in God when we trust his word and how he wants to work in and through us. It's not about adjusting in each and every situation. It's not about I tried and failed so I'm done. It's about continuing to grow. Sharing our hearts is very, very personal. It has to be authentic. When we are able to recognize and identify our feelings and address them, it allows us to share those things with people easier. It allows us to go to the deeper emotions instead of staying in a self-protective mode. Remember that Nicole Eunice had said, our influence and our contribution and our legacies. Those are what come out when we share our hearts and we don't hide our feelings. For me, it's thinking things inside my head that I need to say out my mouth because if I never share them out my mouth, the things that I'm thinking are never given as a gift to that person. As my husband and I were walking and processing this week, I said, this is something you do really well and naturally. He does. He's constantly writing notes of affirmation and love and telling our kids things and praising them. I think those things, but I don't say them enough. Things like, I'm proud of you. I love you. You're doing a fantastic job. You might have messed up, but that's okay. We'll start again tomorrow. Maybe it needs to be, I'm so proud of who you're becoming. Maybe it needs to be something along the lines of, I love you for who you are, not what you do, 
not what you give, just for who you are. When we start sharing those things more, it becomes more natural, it becomes easier, and it's not only good for us, it benefits those that we're giving it to. They need those gifts, just like we need to hear them. So today, let's make a promise that we're going to try to work on our feelings, and let's stop managing other people's perceptions and live fully into who God created us to be. That's what he wants from us. Will you please, please, please pray with me? Jesus, we just thank you for this time together. We thank you that you are good and that you love us. We thank you that you have created us to be complex beings with a lot of emotions and feelings. I pray that you would help us to identify some of those we're experiencing, but also to identify those that we are trying to hide or put away for whatever reason it may be. It's not always easy, Jesus, when we hear areas that we need to work on, especially when it's something that has a potential to be really tender. So today, do whatever work is necessary to help us grow, whether it's identifying, whether it's working on new management styles or patterns, whether it's sharing those words that need to come out of our heads and through our mouths. Jesus, you walk with us every step of the way. You love us too much to let us stay where we are. Help us to continue on the trajectory of becoming more like you. We love you. Thank you for loving us. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.